This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Get a Load of This Trucking Podcast. As always, your host, Cameron Pesci, founder of Valley Trucking Insurance. That's who's driving this podcast, as always. And, uh... We're just here. I'm excited. We're off to a new year. It's a good first quarter. I see in the marketplace, obviously, rates are always low this time of year for truckers. And so, but there's good trends and there's good data coming back and good feedback from some of the brokers and and my buddies that are moving freight and stuff like that, that uh, Florida right now is starting to bubble. So reefer, their produce season's kicking off. So people that are running out of Florida and heading up the coast, um, are going to start seeing some pretty good rates. So I'm excited. I'm, I think there'll be a decent bounce back. And uh, for all those truckers that have toughed through the hard times, there's still loads that have to be moved. And I think you guys will reap the benefits of that. So um, I'm excited today. I've got a special guest coming on for us, uh, Bill Woodard. And um, in the theme of the last podcast, and we've had a couple episodes that are really geared um, to help you and being competitive and making yourself more appealing on insurance and maybe some tips and tricks when buying and finding the right insurance provider or professional or somebody that you trust and want to partner with. So this episode will follow that theme a little bit. We're not going to dive in the weeds. We're not going over coverages or any of that boring stuff that you don't need to know, but some really good stuff that you guys can take and think about that maybe you weren't thinking about when it comes to you as a company and you guys are trying to find a good insurance product, whether that be price coverage specific to your needs, whatever the case may be. But, uh, with me, I've got my buddy, Bill Woodard, Bill, what's happening, brother. Hey Cameron. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And, uh, he, for me, it's like morning and for Bill, it's almost evening. Cause he's on the polar opposite side of the country from me. Uh, where are you coming from? I'm on the East Coast over in uh, in Connecticut, and uh, Cameron, you know, you and I make this long distance relationship thing work. So I think it's uh, I think it's working out quite well. Oh gosh, I love technology; it's amazing. So via video and phone call, and actually, Bill, uh, what's cool about this, listeners, is uh, he reached out to me, and I don't know where you heard the podcast or even kind of saw me, whether it was LinkedIn or what. I, I guess I, I don't remember that. But you reached out to me kind of because of the podcast and, and you're basically like, dude, I love what you're doing. Love what you're doing for the trucking community. It's awesome. And um, normally it's the other way around. I'm trying to find good people, especially in my profession that I want to work with and kind of went the other way. So um, and how did you come across this anyway? Yeah, I mean, so like most of us on this call, uh, you know, I am into the trucking industry, right? It's it's what I do for a living. I'm not a trucker. You know, I am a an agent, a general agent, which we can give into that in a little bit of a, a little bit of time here. Um, but as part of that, you know, I'm constantly thirsting for knowledge. 
So I'll search for podcasts that are just things to fill, you know, idle time that I'm normally, maybe I'm doing some data entry or something menial in my current role that I can also brush up on my, my knowledge of the industry, specifically things that maybe I don't have a lens into, I don't have a view into it and it would be like a new perspective for me. So I came across the podcast, um, listened to it. And, you know, the, the way my role works is because I'm a general agent, I don't work with you, the insureds. I work with other retail agents like Cameron. Uh, you know, I give them additional markets so they can make sure that they're giving you the best and most competitive price. So in a sense, you know, it accomplished two things. I got the knowledge I was looking for. And I said, you know, these guys know what they're talking about. Why don't I, you know, reach out, see if we can, you know, help some insureds get some more competitive coverage. And, you know, after I think three or four uh, missed phone calls and, you know, <laughs> something like that, I got a call back from Cameron and he said, I admire your persistence. And then we went on and had, had a conversation at like 7.30 p.m. on Eastern time. And I was like, when I got the call, I told my wife, I'm like, hey, I got to take this. <laughs> so it was, a, awesome. it was a good day. It was a good day. And I appreciate you calling back, Cameron. And, and shoot, if I call Bill before noon my time, he's like, man, you're up and rocking early, which is basically like Bill's end of the day, which is kind of a running joke, which is hilarious. But Bill's my guy. He's helped me through uh, some situations and, and got some amazing products for some fleets that I'm working with. And he'll take my call or text uh, at 8 p.m., you know, his time uh, type deals. So uh, Bill's the man and uh, I'm glad it worked. I mean, that's kind of what the purpose of this podcast is, is to hopefully bring awareness, spread the love, help the trucking community and industry be better. And so I'm pumped that you had reached out uh, via the platform. So I think that that is awesome. Um, so I work with Bill and he helps me place well, it, you don't even have to be a fleet. You can be brand new in business to two units, five units to a fleet, uh, which for, for those that have been in this game for a minute, know uh, if I have 10 trucks or more, I'm a fleet, you know, and, th- and there's some differences there. there there's uh, there's benefits to get there, but there's also challenges and there's also things to think about. So what Bill does, and he had mentioned he's a general agent, meaning he he's like an insurance agent for me. I go to Bill for solutions because he has access to um, great products and, and these markets that we're trying to get access to uh, to benefit my clients, the truckers, you guys, the trucking community. And so he's great. So, Bill, let's give us a little bit of background to you because um, you've been pretty much trucking transportation from what I know for quite a while and why, like why you kind of lean that way and niched out into the transportation piece. And then just at a very surface level, let's tell them, you know, kind of your role in the industry and that, and I think this will give a little bit of clarity to folks that are shopping for insurance or talking to their agent and they're like, Oh, I'm getting quotes from these people and these people. And, uh, you know, they might not understand the process. And then we'll get into the exciting stuff, which is how do we make you guys better? How do we make you more desirable? How do we clean you guys up so that you get the best possible insurance, the best price, the right coverage, all that kind of stuff that we actually do want to know about? Yeah, no, that's a great, great way to start. Um, so as Cameron mentioned, I'm a general agent. Most of you, you know, our insurance, our truckers won't see me, uh, won't hear from me. You'll be working primarily with an agent that you know the face of, or maybe you know the voice of, and you know by the name of a you know a retail agent like Cameron here. Um, now, what I do is I give Cameron access to additional markets that don't you know don't work with every retail agent. Um, this allows you to get more market access, which a better price, a more competitive product. You know, we work on things such as you know just your your regular long haul trucking operation uh, that's just looking for better coverage, 
better price to, um, you know, other automobile related risks that are maybe you have something strange about your, your operation that's making it difficult to insure. At that point, Cameron come to me and say, Hey, look, I need some help finding a home for this. You know, this is what's going on. And this just allows myself and Cameron to service you guys better and get you guys a better outcome overall. So talking about my background and, and how it's relevant to, to you guys in this podcast and how we can use it to, you know, improve your insurance outcome. I've spent most of the last 10 years of my career uh, in the property and casualty insurance industry doing some form of DOT regulated or auto type uh, insurance, uh, working at large carriers such as uh, a lot of you might know Travelers Insurance or Northland Insurance. You know, I was actually pricing these accounts there. So that gave me the benefit of seeing like the inner workings of insurance carriers and understanding what is an insurance carrier looking at when they're looking at, you know, your application and you're sending it in and you're asking for insurance, what can they see? What do they like to see beyond just the basic? I mean, we all know, okay, no losses is good, right? You know, some losses is not as good, but it depends on a different bunch of different things. But beyond that, that level of detail, there's little things that you as the trucker can do to improve your insurance outcome and make sure that you're getting the best coverage and the best price. Yeah. And that's why I loved working with Bill. Um, myself, we focus only in trucking, transportation or wheels, right? And, and we do brokers, we do different capacities, manufacturing and things like that. Um, but primarily around that industry, whatever arms that the transportation industry will reach into. And Bill understands what we're talking about. So when I call Bill, have a conversation and let's say it's a younger company that has been aggressive and they grew to 15 or 20 trucks very quickly or have a plan to get there within a short amount of time. He understands what we're looking at and the things that we put in place to help them do it. Um, but likewise, like down to your smallest one, it's like, hey, I've got a question on this. It's it's a little bit more unique. You know, maybe it's a it's a heavy haul op, but they're just hauling something unique like those are the conversations I can have with Bill and um, I love doing it. And part of what we go over quite a bit, and this is what I hear, <laughs> which is hilarious, is like my buddy only pays this for his insurance, right? He, he does what I do. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, yeah, maybe. Um, but there's a lot of other factors outside of, hey, I don't have a claim. Why is my insurance cost so much or how do I get better rates? That's what Bill and I were chatting about coming on and discussing. And so um, what are a few things, Bill, when you, from your background on the insurance carrier side to now the MGA side on helping these accounts find competitive programs and products and pricing, are you looking at that are there that might not even be in the peripheral of these truckers or even thought process? What are a couple items that you look at? Yeah. So, so I think timing is everything, right? And when you think about you know, whether you're a, a one power unit trucker or you're a five power unit trucker, meaning, you know, tractors, um, you know, when is the right time to go from leasing on to somebody to starting your own authority, getting insurance? And, and how do you anticipate, you know, how do you anticipate making that the optimal time? So it, it really starts with the years in business when you're looking at insurance. And, you know, zero years in business is far more risky to insurance carriers than five years of business. Nevertheless, you have to start somewhere. <laughs> you can't start with five years of business because that's not, you know, not a realistically possible thing. So those first few years of business from zero to either one, two, or three, depending on which insurance carrier, and you know, we can talk about that in a second, those are going to be your pivotal years. Um, you want to make sure that when you're making that decision to go ahead and say, okay, like 
I want to dive into it. I want to be an entrepreneur. I, I want to haul on my own. Um, those three years, you're going to want to have generally newer equipment. You know, power your tractor should be within you know 20 years old or, or newer. Um, and you're going to want to make sure you have a good amount of experience. Uh, you know, minimum is is two plus years CDL experience. Some of our carriers will will want six. So what what does this do when you meet these pos- You know, these out these variables, you say, okay, I got six years of experience. I got uh, a, you know, generally newer tractor. It's 10 years old. I have I haven't gotten a violation in three years. This allows you to market yourself to more insurance carriers, uh, which therefore allows you to get you know a better price and a better coverage. So some things to kind of think about, you know, if if you're just starting off, you're right out of CDL school, and or maybe you've had had a year you know year experience. Like those are your you know those are your years to build your your you know, unique profile, right? The good years to get good miles on the road. You know, try to stay violation free. Get that experience. Every year you have more more CDL experience just by driving that truck. You become that much more valuable to the company that you're driving for, or you you know, if you were to go out on your own to yourself as well in terms of getting a better, more competitive rate because more experienced drivers, you know, are clearly better drivers. So these are just things we look at. Um, so you know, when it comes to okay, maybe you maybe you have an accident on your motor vehicle record, right? That might be an opportunity for you to just stay leased on a little bit longer. It might make sense in the long run because you could save yourself, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars uh, in going out on your own and, and getting insurance on your own. Um, and if that's your dream to go out on your own, you know, look at the age of equipment. Like I said, uh, make sure that, you know, you've had a pretty good three year stretch. Generally speaking, carriers only look for, look at three years of your motor vehicle records. You know, everything beyond that is generally forgiven because it's in the past, you know, the, the, the newer tractor, and um, that should give you guys like a pretty good, I guess, foot into the foot into the world of hauling for yourself uh, based on some of those variables. Well, I think what's badass too about being able to lease on and the unique opportunity that the transportation and trucking uh, industry provides is they can go gain experience from uh, mentors or people that are doing what they want to go do and get all the knowledge, get the miles, get their ass in the seat and understand what they're going to be facing, um, in preparation to go out on their own. There's no need to go learn everything on your own from the very beginning. You can, um, it's a little bit tougher road. You don't know what you don't know. All of a sudden it's like insurance is just one piece. Then you got IFTAs and ProRate and DOT and like drug consortium and compliance. And what about a new entry audit from DOT? All of a sudden you got the maintenance cost and, and vehicles, wear and tear, um, truck notes. How do I navigate finding loads? Like there's all these things that'll come into play that it's like, if you can get your foundation of just experience down, first of all, okay, that's a huge check mark for us, right? Hey, they come into us with two, three, five years of experience doing what they want to do. That's huge for me um, because now, now we look at that. And, and for me, I feel like now, OK, I trust they can at least haul what they're wanting to haul. They're not they didn't run flatbed and then all of a sudden come to us and say, OK, I want to do cattle or haul live bees or, you know, something like that where they have no experience. And it's like might be a good opportunity. But, you know, what's the risk and what do you not know about hauling special or, or, you know, niche type commodities? So so that's one of the things there. And then the other one, too, is that age of equipment is so 
critical. And I'm not saying there's, you know, there's 80s peats, 90s peats, or, or, you know, pre 2000. Obviously, there's some desirability for that, that those trucks are immaculate and, and probably in better condition than some of the brand new ones. But it's all due to the owner, the maintenance, you know, when's the engine been replaced? When has everything been overhauled and updated? And, and like how meticulous this owner is. And so there, there, you know, if you're brand new and you got old equipment that maybe is not in the best condition, super high miles, but it's kind of on the verge for a breakdown, you don't even have a savings account set aside. And all of a sudden you go out on your own, pay these high costs, get set up, pay a lot on insurance, and then the truck breaks down. And all of a sudden you need a $30,000 overhaul. Well, unless you have that money sitting there, you know, there's reasons to, like he said, kind of do a cost analysis and weigh what's important and, and where you're going to spend money and not spend money. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a holistic view. So I think that's smart. And I'm glad that you bring that up because it, it's just stuff that people don't think about. I, I feel like because you just don't know what you don't know or if you're not a business owner or operator. Um you know, School of Hard Knocks is great. <laughs> it's how I came up and and I learned a lot of stuff. And sure, you could tell me or I could see you make those mistakes. But a lot of people, until they make them themselves, it's like they're not going to listen. But but that doesn't stop me from still trying to preach and get them in the right direction, coach them, guide them to a road of success and in profitability long term. Because um, listen, the stats, it's, and, and it's just because he had brought up, you know, new ventures and new DOTs and stuff. But statistically, and I don't have the exact figures, but like new DOT entrants in like the last 12 months didn't like it was like half of them didn't make it for that 12 month period. They didn't make it even 12 months. And then you go to 24 months and it was another chunk of people that couldn't make it out of the 24 month phase. So it's hard. It's not for everybody. If it was easy, like the cliche sayings, like if it was easy, everyone would do it. So these are things that we're trying to give you to make it a little bit easier, put a little bit more money in your pocket, think forward and use your map. Cause that, you know, it's like, if you guys had a roadmap to success and a roadmap to whatever your goal is, whether it's one truck, five trucks, 10 trucks, like why not follow the map to get you there more efficiently? Like that's kind of my thought process there. So I love that. And Let's kind of go into, okay, let's say they've been in business and they are operating and they're, everyone always says, hey, well, you need business three to five years. And then once you get to three years or five years, all of a sudden you have all these options that are wonderful. They may be, they may not be, I don't know, but that's what I hear, right? It's like, oh, I've been in business for three years. When's my rate going down? (laughs) So let's talk about some of those things. Let's talk about what that identity is created in the first one year, two years, third year in business, what that means and, and what you're looking at, Bill. Yeah. So, so the nice thing about this part of the, the journey of being an entrepreneurial trucker is things do get easier, right? After three years. And, and what do I mean by easier? Um, well, you've kind of beat the statistic as, as you know, Cameron kind of po- pointed out. So there's some like credibility in that, right? Even from an insurance standpoint, there's some credibility in that. Okay. You know, this, this, this guy or girl knows what he's, he or she is doing. Um, you know, insurance carriers will be able to see just how long you've been in business, you know, by a number of things, by uh, your DOT profile on the Safer website, which is public domain. Anyone can bring it up, uh, by your loss runs, et cetera. So the nice thing about be- getting beyond this, you know, three-year period is there's certain, I guess, aspects of your, you know, your insurance profile that become a little bit more forgiving. For example, maybe you do have an older tractor. That might not be as limiting if it's got in good shape and you can, you know, provide an inspection report. Um, your CDL experience is clearly going to be more than it was when you started, right? So just through time alone, you've already improved your marketability in that. And then in addition to that, 
just by existing through that three-year period and making it, uh, you're going to open up the door to additional insurance carriers that don't want to write new ventures or insurance of one year in business or two years in business or even three. Uh, they're going to start to come and play. So what what does that do? You know, that gives you options. So you've made it through the tough time. You get a little bit more options, more carriers, um, et cetera. You get better better rate. You might get better coverage. You know, there's some restrictions on certain coverages, certain cargo coverages with certain carriers you can get uh, early on that that then kind of get peeled back and it says, okay, you know, now you're eligible for, you know, the top, the premier form or something of that nature, which is a, a form that, you know, has better coverage. So it does get easier. Um, there is a little bit more forgiveness. You know, additionally, we talk about losses, all right? Like the more power units you add, the longer you've been in business, the more likely you are to have a loss, even if you're good. It is the nature of the beast, right? Now, once you get beyond that three-year period, you know, even a loss can essentially be uh, less of an impact, have less of an impact on you as an insured and your marketability. You know, why is that? It's because, okay, like, look, you now have three years of loss runs. Maybe you have a loss. Maybe there's a narrative to how it happened, right? You know, it's maybe you weren't, maybe it wasn't that fault. You know, insurance carriers will actually end up looking at this and, and there's a little bit more flexibility when it comes to this. You know, the other thing to kind of think about is, uh, growth in the industry. And I think this is a tough one for a lot of our truckers to, um, I guess to wrap their head around because generally speaking, as an entrepreneur, growth is good, right? You add more units, you make more money. And it's like, we can admire that. This is the American spirit. Um, now, within those first three years, and, and in general, you know, growth is can be accepted at a small level, uh, control growth, meaning, okay, what does it mean? Uh, some carriers will allow a new venture to add just one truck. You know, some will allow them to add two trucks, right? But then once you get beyond that three-year period, controlled growth is generally accepted, right? They don't want you doubling in size every year. But, you know, you want to add a truck or two if you're a three-power unit operation. That becomes more fathomable. It's not going to impact you as much as it would if you were a new venture where your carrier might say, hold on a second. You know, uh, we, we can't do this anymore. And then you're, you're stuck trying to find a new carrier. So thinking about that, if you do have growth aspirations in this industry, and I know a lot of you might, you know, I know the market's not the, the best market right now, but in general, a lot of you might have that, those aspirations. Think about it in two facets. Aim for controlled growth and just, you know, wait, wait a little bit. The longer you wait, the better. You know, if it, if it makes sense, you know, I understand that there's always going to be revenue considerations. Sometimes you get a hot new contract and, or, you know, you just you just have a lot of loads from brokers you want to pick up and, you know, that can change things. We can work with that as well, uh, but it just makes things a little bit more difficult on the insurance side. So when you talk about these economic trade-offs, these are things that you need to consider. Yeah, and I love that too. And I think it, for me, when looking at growth, there's a couple of questions and considerations to be made. Growth isn't a no automatically in every scenario. And as long as I understand what the goals and objectives are of you as a business owner and what, what you want to accomplish, I can help you navigate that. But then there has to be considerations made and there's trade-offs. You might pay a little bit more, but there is an option to get you to be able to say, okay, I'm going to do one truck a quarter. But with that though, like there's a whole list of things that we talk about in depth, which would be, what are your hiring guidelines and practices? You know, when you do hire them, who are you hiring? Where are you finding new drivers? 
you know, how strong is the culture there? Because if you have constant turnover of drivers, that's a problem because then it's a constant training issue. You get new people on the road, which is new potential hazards, new unknowns, because they might not give a shit or care about your company as much as you do. I mean, that's kind of a given, but you, you know, there's things to consider there. How are you managing it? Do you have managers set up to help hire, train, onboard, implement a handbook, all these things that are going to be important? Or do you have a service that you outsource to take over these things? So there's so many things to consider um, when doing that. And that's a lot of what I do, I would say, is like coach and guide and hopefully mentor. I mean, I've been doing this, you know, over a decade, uh, a little bit go- coming on closer to two decades now. But um, so I have a decent understanding and grew up in the trucking business with my family doing it. So I've got some knowledge there. And, you know, people like me or, or let's just say entrepreneurial at, at spirit and at heart don't like to be told no. Right, Bill? And it's mm-hmm. like the second you tell me no, it's like, well, watch me. <laughs> like so so for me, like truckers, I get it. I'm on your side. I want you to grow because that means, you know, it's better for everybody. And, you know, as if it's done properly. So I love that point. And he also Bill mentioned um safer, your safety scores. Um, you're out of service. There's a thing called CAB, Central Analysis Bureau, uh, basically that will report all your violations, your DOT violations, your driver violations, any accidents that are reported that involve a tow or or anything like that. Insurance isn't the only people that can see that stuff, guys. Brokers can, receivers, shippers, all these people can see all that data. It's public data. So, I mean, it's so important to keep up to date on that. And Bill, I'm actually curious of your input on this. Something that I focus on a lot when we're doing kind of a quarterly roadmap with our clients is looking at the MCS 150, making sure mileage is up to date, making sure the units show a true representation of steady controlled growth, not I didn't update my MCS 150 for five years and all of a sudden I have 20 trucks. I went from two to 20, it looks like in no time, right? So Mm -hmm. like, I, I think there's some... I'm I'm just curious to your feedback for that because that's that's I spend a little bit of time on that with my clients. Yeah, no, I think that's something to to definitely look at and consider. And as Cameron mentioned, right, like the safer safer is a website that's public domain. I mean, my wife has nothing to do with the trucking industry, but she could pull it up on her smartphone right now, look at it, and not know what it means. On the other side of the spectrum, we have you know insurance carriers, we have shippers, we have brokers that can pull it up and, and see a number of different things. Right, they can see the cargo you're hauling. They can see the number of units you're reporting, et cetera. So what you want is you want harmony between what's on your safer profile for commodities, what's on your safer profile for units, for drivers, and what's on your application for what you're what you're sending into the insurance carrier and what is actual reality, right? Like I've seen a couple different pitfalls with um, some truckers where, you know, maybe you go through like a, a servicing agency that fills out your MCS 150 for you and they just check off everything and anything and everything that you might haul, right? And, you know, intuitively speaking, this kind of seems like a good idea, right? I mean, okay, like if I might haul this, you know, you want to limit yourself per se, but you're not necessarily limiting yourself by not checking that box. What you want to do is you want to stick to the commodities you actually plan on hauling. Now, what does this do? This prevents you from having to explain why you have oil field equipment checked off on your MCS-150 to a carrier that wouldn't otherwise insure oil field hauling, right? Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you're not. Maybe you don't even have a flatbed. I've seen it. I've seen drive-in, you know, drive-in operations check off oil field equipment, and you know sometimes the answer is as simple as, you know, we do haul like you know some equipment that's in you know 
palletized equipment in the drive van. Okay, that's that's fine. You know, that and that's a perfectly good reason to have that checked off on your MCS 150. But if you don't do it, don't check it off. It just brings up you know a number of different uh, number of different topics in the carriers. Also, you know, as Cameron mentioned, we we talked about growth, right? Like, you know, insurance carriers can go online and they can see what your carrier history is as far as number of units, number of drivers, et cetera, any kind of steep increases. So, you know, making sure that's up to date and accurately reflects the growth of your account will prevent them from thinking it's an extreme growth scenario, which could be high risk. And, and all of this stuff just circles back to the number one goal of this particular episode of the podcast, right? We're trying to market ourselves better, improve our insurance risk score, make it so that we have a better outcome and, and save you money so you can improve your margins, haul more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it's about identity. I think every trucking company is unique. They have their own story. They have their own um, identity that they want to give out, you know, and send out to the world. And it's just making sure it's uniform. So that way that I can do my job and do my best and present you in the proper light and in an accurate light, just because there's claims, activities, even out of service doesn't mean anything. There's a story or there's a reason behind certain things. And those are the things that we'll talk about, discuss, uncover and build and strengthen upon and use it as an opportunity to become better as a trucking company moving forward. Um, You know, it could have been a driver issue, uh, a solo driver issue. It could have been a state specific issue through a certain scale. It could be these are things we can drill down on, like the, the reports we have access to and that we provide and we help with are so comprehensive that we can almost pinpoint problems look at them, look at what would happen if we didn't have these problems, what it would do to your safety score and all the other things, which in turn all add up as factors when, you know, getting insurance, when brokers choose to work with you, the rates that brokers give you, there's all kinds of things that, you know, there's a reason like we're trying to help on all these fronts, um, which I think is awesome. Hey, Bill, what's like, uh, you know, folks that are not fleet, but go into fleet and there's all these, um, you know, amazing things once you get to the fleet world, right? Hey, reporting form and cheaper insurance and, and all these different things. Like, what are some of those um, different specific items that these these fleets normally will benefit from, but maybe misconceptions of non-fleet to fleet as well? Like, what are just a couple of things that pop to mind there? Yeah, I think the number one thing is um, that I'm thinking of off the top of my head is generally speaking, when you jump from non-fleet or 10 units to 11 units, it's a totally different insurance process, right? Uh, that insurance process will then, you know, it'll go from basically looking at an application on paper and in a dialogue with an agent about, you know, this particular insured, what he's looking to do, you know, uh, the strengths of the account to, okay, sometimes now your insurance company is going to actually send out an engineer or a risk control rep, which is generally speaking, somebody from within the industry that works for the insurance company. Uh, so this person is going to be, they're going to speak your language as a trucker uh, quite well, actually. Uh, they're going to know very, very knowledgeable in DOT regulations, safety, uh, et cetera. And, and the benefits to that is, okay, you know, they're going to come out. And if there are any areas that you can improve, they're going to make uh, recommendations uh, of what you can go improve. It could be like a formal hiring program. And it will be expected too, uh, once you become a fleet size account that you need to have formality. Um, that's something that even, you know, a lot of the non-fleet insureds don't necessarily have because the size doesn't really dictate it. Maybe they have informal guidelines that are effective, right? 
but it is to be expected, you know, once you get that fleet level, that you need to have a formal driver hiring program, driver training program, you need to be doing periodic and random drug testing. There's a lot of formality that goes along with it. And uh, this rep will, will make recommendations based on that. So generally speaking, you know, a good risk control rep will make practical and feasible recommendations uh, that, you know, you can implement. Um, you know, I know that there there are some recommendations that maybe it might be a challenge to implement that you could consider. And you got to consider that when you're jumping the fleet. Um, but, you know, the benefit is they partner with you, uh, a good risk control rep will partner with you and, you know, improve your safety, which, you know, a lot of you will have deductibles on the account, maybe even a large liability deductible. So you'll be sharing in some of the claims and, and this can help you as well from just an overall cost standpoint. Now, now the downside of that is you now have the stress of, you know, a, a risk control visit from an insurance carrier. And I think it goes a lot better than most insurance generally think it will, especially if you've made it to that 11 power unit mark and you've been in business for a while, you know, you chances are, you know what you're doing. And, um, you know, you don't need to know everything, right? Like you just need to have a good solid base for safety and understand your operations, understand your drivers. So, you know, there is that added layer and that risk control rep will not just make those recommendations, but, you know, early on, you know, before you're even quoted sometimes, uh, they will make the basically dictate whether or not there will be a quote or there won't be a quote. And if there is a quote, you know, what price would it be? Now, you know, let's segue back into, okay, look, you're going from 10 power units to 11 power units. It's anticipated that there are going to be some like, you know, essentially growing pains. I think every risk control rep that goes out to visit you is going to know that they're going to, there's going to be some recommendations made. Now it's not the end of the world and there's some easy low hanging fruit you can do uh, when it comes to this visit. The one that comes to mind is just having a culture and receptiveness for safety. You know, that takes 0% of your time to do that. Um, I can think back to risk control visits that went very well when maybe the insured didn't have the formality. And essentially what happened was they were polite. They were courteous to the risk control rep. They were receptive to the recommendations. They asked good questions, uh, good questions about you know what it means, et cetera. Uh, they showed a willingness to learn. And at the end of the day, you know, the insurance carrier worked with those accounts, offered a better quote because of it, or did offer a quote when they otherwise wouldn't. And those are the insureds that are in it for the long haul, no pun intended, um, because chances are they're improving their safety, they're improving their operation, they're decreasing their losses, they're increasing their cash flow. All of those things go hand in hand. And it's truly a service too. And I think if you get to fleet and somebody isn't there helping you review or helping you strengthen your um, program and, and your, you know, safety services and, and all that kind of stuff. That's something to think about too. Like if they're just giving you a quote, Hey, I sent them some drivers and vehicles. And then they gave me this quote, like, I don't know. I mean, that <laughs> I, I got, I'm kind of conflicted on that. The other thing too, Bill, let's uh, from a perspective of you, cause you've been on the carrier side via Northland and, and Travers and whoever, and then also now the MGA side. So you see, um, all different types of companies that come through and submissions and stuff. A lot of people or the, the conception is, is, Hey, if I get as many quotes as possible, I'm going to get the best price, right? Like what happens on your side when you get, and you start seeing this guy's getting quotes from 10 agents, <laughs> 10 different submissions from 10, 10 agents. A lot of times they don't match. Like, like, let's just be real. They're not identical because they're not using the same application or the process or the intake form. But what does that do to the insured in the in the grand scheme of things? 
Yeah. So quite frankly, from my perspective, you know, I lose confidence in my ability to help you. Meaning it's like, okay, you've already gone to all these carriers. Like, okay, look, I don't know if I can, I don't know if it's worth, you know, I don't know if I can help you. It's going to be tough from a time standpoint. So if I'm thinking that, think about all the other insurance carrier reps, agents that, you know, you've engaged and that's multiple agents. Think about what they're thinking. A lot of them are often thinking the same thing. So would you rather have, you know, one, you know, interested partner or, you know, a, a bunch of half-hearted, you know, disinterested partners? I would argue that the outcome would be better with one. So, you know, just, just thinking about a go-to-market approach, you know, you want to make sure that you select a, a retail agent that understands you. They understand what they're doing. They're competent. They know how to get to the necessary markets, not all the markets, because sometimes it doesn't make sense to market yourself to, you know, certain carriers that are, you know, a little bit more geared towards higher risk stuff. If you're not a higher risk operation, you want to pay for that a premium for it. Um, and just doing a calculated but thorough marketing approach through a trusted advisor. Um, that way you have all parties engaged. You're able to, um, to you know, greatly increase the probability of success in, in securing a good competitive quote. So that's one aspect. You know, the other aspect to think about yeah. here, Cameron, too, is is just, you know, making sure that your approach to marketing is, you know, generally signals that you're in it for a relationship with the carrier, um, especially at that fleet level, meaning you're not jumping around from year to year. Sometimes you have to jump. We get it. Like, you know, something's happened. You need to get a better rate because something happened and you need to go somewhere else. I understand that. But, you know, keep in mind, insurance carriers can see the list of carriers you've been with since you've had authority by going on that safer website. And if it shows 11 years and 11 carriers, it, it just doesn't bode well for you know, the longevity of the relationship from their perspective. So the key is to move move when you have to, market when you have to, and when you have to do it right with the right person. No, I love that. And I think truckers, you know, you guys look at this too, when you're looking at brokers or contracts and like relationships to work with as your partners, not, not even insurance speaking, but to go make money, like the difference between a contact that you guys have in a Rolodex or somebody you're calling on or trying to work with and a contract is the R, right? It's relationship. Like that's it. So you guys build a good relationship with a trusted partner or sign a contract with someone that's going to be beneficial to both parties, you and them. Um, and, and likewise, in our world, it's important to have that. I'm not saying don't like maybe talk to other people or explore options, especially if you're not in the right program or with the right person that understands what you guys do on a daily day-to-day basis or at a high level. But this whole, hey, I'm going to get quotes from 10 people and you know, this and that to try to get the cheapest price. Well, that that to me just displays that you don't truly value insurance in your overall operation and as an asset to your business, which it really is. Because at the end of the day, why do you buy insurance? You know, for me, I, I hear this time and time and take time and time again, because I ask and it's like, well, in case something major happens and I'm looking at being sued for a million dollars or whatever the case is, it's like, okay, at that time, are you thankful that you found the cheapest possible price and then pray that you're covered. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know, maybe you operate that way. I don't know. But um, it's important, everybody. It really is. And not only can it be driven down to like a lower price on your P&L to where you can put more money back in your pocket, but if and when, because it's really, I mean, you guys are on the road hundreds of thousands of miles a year, when something happens, who's in your corner? 
right? What's going to happen? Do I have to liquidate? Do I have to sell everything? All these things are like real possibilities. And so your last thought at that time is, is man, I'm glad I shopped 20 carriers and talked to all these people and got a cheap quote. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, so no, I think that, that that stuff's all good. I think that that's a lot to think about for a trucker. But we touched on new, we touched on kind of been in business, going into fleet um, and all that kind of stuff. And I think the the uniform, or, or for me anyways, the common theme for that is like identity and your story and consistency throughout, right? You have a solid game plan, a solid identity um, focused around safety and uh, not only for insurance, but, you know, if, if you guys operate, your your mission as a truck company is to move a product from point A to point B reliably when you said you're going to do it and on time. And if you can do that effectively and safely every time, you're a pretty good business. <laughs> you're, you're like top notch um, and people are going to work with you. But if you're constantly having accidents and out of service and and wrecks and and you don't hire the best people and, and it's it's issues, um, it's a small industry. People talk, people can see things and it will impact your ability to make money when it's all said and done. You know, that's, I, I truly believe that. And I think that, so, um, I guess aside from that bill, what's any, is there any major thing that may, maybe people don't think about when they're looking at like insurance that would help them like greatly improve their ability to get a better product and program and cheaper insurance? Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I, I was just thinking about that comes to mind that I feel like is a very overlooked, um, overlooked aspect, and maybe there's some misconceptions about it is timely and comprehensive loss reporting. Um, so I've seen thousands of account of insurance accounts in my year, in my career. And, you know, we, we keep going back to the theme of public domain, the safer website, anyone can view it you know, your DOT recordable crashes are going to be on that website, right? So everybody can see that. It is what it is. Um, I've seen a number of insurers that, you know, they maybe had a DOT recordable crash on their website and they didn't have it on their loss runs. You know, that prompts a question from the carrier. Um, you know, some common reasons why insurers don't report those losses. One might be, uh, you know, hey, it wasn't at fault, right? Uh, one might be, Hey, it was such a small, a small dollar, you know, loss. Um, it, you know, we had a deductible, we didn't report it, et cetera, or maybe there was no damage, et cetera, something of that nature. You know, there's a number of different reasons. So none of these reasons are, are the optimal reason <laughs> for your insurance carriers. And, and let me dispel some myths here. Um, now a lot of these DOT recordables that are not on your loss runs because maybe you didn't report them or maybe you know a buddy that hasn't reported them. A lot of them are what we would consider in the industry non-chargeable losses, meaning, okay, maybe it was truly not at fault, right? Maybe you were hit. Um, you're you're afraid to report it because, you know, maybe you heard the myth that, hey, look, that loss is going to affect my insurance premium, even though it wasn't my fault. Well, so let me tell you what happens. Um, you know, in your... As part of your insurance contract with your carrier, you know, you have an obligation to report losses in a timely and comprehensive manner. Now, with that said, these these losses that close without any kind of pay because there was no fault assigned to you do not actually hurt you as an insured. Yeah, they show up on your loss runs and they'll show up as zero dollars, but they're called non-chargeable losses, meaning it looks better that you reported it to your insurance carrier than when you didn't report it because they're going to see if you didn't report it at renewal. 
if it's a DOT reportable crash. And it's going to prompt some questions. And maybe, you know, maybe there'll be some forgiveness there. Uh, maybe, you know, as long as there's maybe not a few of them, it'll, it'll be okay. But the optimal thing is to report those losses. You know, another reason to kind of report those losses is your insurance company might, you know, go to bat for you on those losses, right? And it's crucial that they respond quickly and accordingly. They have the resources of, you know, attorney networks. They have, you never know when one of these things is going to blow up. Um, our industry is notorious. And I think that, you know, a lot of you might know somebody that this happened to, or maybe you were at a company where this happened to one of your colleagues there, your coworkers or your other fellow drivers, where it seemed like a pretty innocent accident at the time, right? Okay. Like it's a fender bender. Nobody's got hurt, but you know, three months down the road, somebody's neck is hurting, right? How do you prove, right? How do you prove that that wasn't from the accident? You know, depending on the state that it happened in, depending on the judge, the jury, the whole nine yards, attorney representation, you know, it can get quite messy. And, and the data supports that, you know, when you report these losses, even if it's pretty innocent fender bender, uh, your insurance carrier can sometimes go to bat for you, crush it at, you know, very minimal amount paid out. Um, and prevent any kind of frivolous lawsuit that seems to be plaguing truckers across the nation. So I, I think that, you know, when it comes down to loss reporting, it is better to do timely and comprehensive loss reporting from just an overall insurance profile standpoint, because in the end, it'll, it will get you uh, more carrier options at a better price, which is the theme we've been talking about. Love it. Yeah, I think that uh, that's super important. And it's something that we talk about and preach to all of our clients because the first one in usually creates a narrative. Also, it preserves evidence. Also, you can go back and grab cameras, footage, um, witness, info, statements, anything to help. And it creates an ability for the insurance company to defend you. I don't know how many want to deal with a claim on their own or pay for an attorney or whatever out of pocket. You know, that's why you have insurance. You know, use it. Um, I'm not saying turn in every small claim that like you bump, you know, you're in a yard and you backed into something and but you know a trailer door or something like. I mean, I'm not talking about that, but we're talking about things that could potentially give rise to liability or exposure for y'all, uh, the trucking companies. So, yeah, good, good info, Bill. I love it. Um, hopefully, we didn't bore folks too much with insurance talk because, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's it's one of those topics that if you do it for a living and and you're passionate about it or if you've ever been impacted by a significant event where insurance like truly did help out you the company your family um or whatever you know you you grit you create a little bit deeper respect for it versus man that's just a bill i got to pay every single year i never use it why do i have it right and people get kind of lulled into like this false sense of like Hey, it's never going to happen to me until it does. <laughs> it's like, that's why you buy it. And then when it does happen, you'll find out real quick how cheap that policy was you bought. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those we're passionate about, but Bill, man, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. I am super thankful for you hopping in. One of the fun things we like to kind of wrap up with typically is if you had a billboard where every trucker's driving by and saw it, you know, what kind of message or statement or motivational quote or something would you have on there to share with the trucking community? Yeah, I think that the number one thing I would I'd put on that billboard is to just do the right thing and, you know, the rest will work itself out. Um, it's in it for it's a marathon, guys. It's not a sprint. 
you know, the theme has generally been let's, you know, starting a business, going from non-fleet to fleet, to just the whole growth cycle of, of these entrepreneurial truckers, businesses, and just do the right thing, be receptive to the insurance carrier's advice and the rest will work out. You know, don't let the anxiety get a hold of you and, and there will be anxiety. We get it, but do the right thing. Patience, consistency. It's a marathon. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I love it. Um, and I think trucking, man, it's about the greatest industry in America, really. And it's what makes America move. It's why we're all able to do what we do and have a house and a roof over our head and all this equipment to record. So, uh, truckers, I, I want to thank you for everything you guys do. Um, you guys are the lifeblood of everything and make America run. So um, that's why we're here. We're trying to help any way we can. So as always, podcast is on pretty much all the platforms. we got a Facebook group, Get a Load of This Trucking Podcast Facebook group. Find us on LinkedIn. You know, give me a call and, and Bill and I will work on some solutions for y'all uh, to kind of help you out and just answer questions. We don't even have to do anything. You just want to review. You want to ask questions. That's what we're here for. You know, we'll take time and help you out. Even if uh, that doesn't mean you're working with me, um, I'm never going to not help somebody um, become better. So that's my whole mission. And I love it. So, Bill, appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me.